Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Diva Behavior, the podcast where we talk about diva allegations, who gets called a diva and why, and just all kinds of great pop culture stuff. My guest this week is Lucien Jack. In the before times, he ran one of my favorite comedy shows in London, the big gay comedy show at the Two Brewers in Clapham. It was really such a fun show because it was in the back half of a gay bar and the front half would be drag shows and the back half would be this amazing comedy show with a glittery backdrop on the stage and just such great fun and great energy. And now Lucien is running that same show on Zoom, which, you know, it's not the same, but he's doing an awesome job. And I was on the show last night, actually. He co-hosted the show along with a drag performer called Ella Varide, which, cute name, love it, so funny. She did a little drag performance at the end, which really, really just brightened my life. And the other thing that you need to know about Lucien is that he is part Polish and his Instagram today alerted me to the fact that today is Polish Fat Tuesday. I mean, Thursday. Polish Fat Thursday. And that means you're supposed to eat a donut? I mean, I'm a quarter Polish. As most Americans, you know, we all love to do fractions and claim ancestry from somewhere that wants nothing to do with us. And Poland is one of my places. I'm a quarter Polish. I had no idea that there was a Fat Thursday that was separate from the regular Fat Tuesday. So after I'm done editing this episode, I'm going to order a donut because I guess that's my birthright as a Polish American person. Anyway, follow Lucien on Instagram. His name is Laughs with Lulu. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. My name is at Molly Molshine. Please rate and review Diva Behavior on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the episode. Some people think Diva is a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva Behavior. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Lulu, I am so happy to have you here. Comic, comedian, compare, extraordinaire. You are my favorite comic in the Clapham area whenever life was normal. And I'm so happy to have you. Well, thank you so much for saying that. That's going to go straight on my website. Compliment from <laughs> Molly Molshine herself. Um, and Clapham as well. You know, I'm not just in Clapham. I'm also in Teeting. You know, all of South London. I'm like coronavirus spreading over all of South London. But yeah, You're thank you so much for those lovely words. Tooting all over the place, huh? I know. I'm such a mess. <laughs> you are not a mess. You So you host the Big Gay Comedy Show, which is a show that I was able to do like right before COVID started and all this stuff. Do you miss it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't just do the Big Gay Comedy Show. I do compare many events uh, around mm-hmm. London and the Midlands as well. But, you know, the Big Gay Comedy Show is, you know, the one which I've had to keep going, I think, you know, during uh, lockdown. It's, it, it's tough. I do miss it. You know, I love... Uh, I used to love doing the show at the Two Brewers because, you know, it's it's one of the best uh, gay bars, not just in London, I like to think the world. And, you know, um, I do miss it. I do miss it. Hopefully we're going to return at least in person very, very soon. But yeah, online, 
not the best solution, but you have to get through it. And it's the one which has lasted. So yeah. Yeah. Forever, carry on. When I did, so I'm doing Big Gay Comedy Show next week on Zoom with yourself, which I'm so excited about. And when I did it last year, it was so awesome because I met Tia Coffee and Something Wong after the show. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Of course, yes. So uh, when we, um, so we started at the same time um, in the, so the um, mix up of the entertainment of the two brewers. It was the idea to do the quiz on the Wednesday and then the comedy also on the Wednesday. And yeah, it was with a tea, a coffee, and something wrong from RuPaul's Drag Race Series 1 and Series 2. Um, yeah, I, I, I really love the fact, you know, sort of, obviously I, I knew them before. Um, I've known Tia Coffee, you know, for 12 years now, which is absolutely crazy to admit out, um, wow. out loud. Um, yeah, I used to love um, having the after parties with them, and I do miss them as well. They're, they're, good, yeah. they're, they're good girls, good girls. They are the best. And do you love being able to perform sort of near the drag element as well and bring it all together? Um, yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, when you start performing in one gay bar, then the second gay bar come knocking at your door. Um, and you know, for myself being a comedian in the gay LGBT area, um, obviously, you then get more and more opportunities, but it's harder to stand out when you're not putting on a wig and putting on makeup. Uh, I'm not saying I don't put right. any makeup when I'm on stage. Um, <laughs> but you know, you, you do get some opportunities. You don't earn as much, but at least it's a start. And they've been very good to me, the gay the gay venues yeah have you ever like compared a drag show or anything or do they just always leave that to the drag queens only keep it for the drags yes always drag yeah. shows going to be hosted by a um by a, a drag performer we can't say queens anymore it's very offensive drag performer obviously oh my god um, i did oh yes because obviously you have drag um you have uh, drag kings you have drag queens you've got a uh, bio queens you've got afab queens there's so many different sorts of drag um so yeah just uh, we try and say drag performer now because we're really woke but it's also inclusive you know the whole thing about drag is uh, it's an inclusive thing molly and that's yes. what sort of we love about it wow i'm so glad you've educated me on this and i think i think our listeners will <laughs> definitely like learn something too. yeah wow yeah. great to know great to know so what have you been up to lately besides obviously what we're all doing which is performing out of our bedrooms and talking to our computers well, yeah, talking to my computer, yeah, he's actually my best friend, uh, pronouns he, him. Um, I love my computer. I'm actually feeling it right now. You can't see. Um, you know, it's just, it's just trying to stay busy, you know, trying to remember why I was a performer in the first place, you know, um, depression. No, um, trying to make sure, <laughs> make sure, you know, I'm writing all the time, trying to think about what's going to happen when uh, places start to uh, open up again. Um, I've been doing, I've been writing um, a couple of scripts for the last year, uh, one sitcom and one uh, comedy drama. Uh, which have been sent off, and I'm just waiting to hear back from um, certain production companies now, which is very exciting. Um, and yes, I'm also hoping to go and write a- another uh, Fringe show. Because um, one thing, Molly, which you might not know, and hopefully you do, and I'm pointing at you right now, and no one can see this, which is absolutely fabulous, um, I got to actually do my Fringe show uh, last year called Slags, standing for Sexy, Loose and Gorgeous Singles. Um, we got to do that at Brighton Fringe. And yes, this year I'm hoping to do the follow-up um haven't thought of a name yet but i'm sure it will be something inappropriate because hey that is my branding yeah that's awesome you did it in brighton fringe in 2020 i did yes wow how did that work it was very strange um this is back in october um and you know people weren't as they are 
even more so now, not wanting to go outside and especially go to a crammed room uh, for comedy. And, you know, we had the, from the fringe, we had the um, health and safety rules put out. We had to make sure people were separated. So first of all, we have the lack of capacity. And then second of all, we had the lack of tickets being sold, um, which of course made it difficult. But it all went ahead. Um, I'll tell you something interesting. So Brighton Fringe, we had to reduce it down to two nights. Um, The first night, uh, which was a Saturday uh, we sold no, uh, no. We sold ten tickets, and only two people turned up. Wow! And the second night, we sold twenty tickets, and I think eight people turned up. So it wasn't especially my best perform. Well, I think I performed very well, but I don't think it was the biggest gigs of my life. But then yeah, we got to it, and that was fun. well. At least it was easier for them to socially distance that way. <gasps> Absolutely, I very guess. very important. It is so weird whenever there is that small of an audience because if even if you do like your best performance, you just don't have that same chemistry as you would have with the crowd when there's like a bunch of people in there. I feel like my worst performances have been with the biggest crowds because it's just so much easier and you sort of coast because like someone's laughing somewhere and then it multiplies and you're like, but whenever you have a smaller crowd, you have to work so much harder, right? So much harder. Like, on one sense, you can sort of see it, see it more as, like, an intimate gig because you get to go and know the audience names. And I'm famously really bad at remembering the audience names anyway. And when it's down to, like, three people, like it was at the first <laughs> night in Brighton Fringe, I can I remember two of them. The third one was, like, a lady from Finland, and her name was very complicated, probably something like Annika, but I can't actually remember now. But, like, yeah, no, when you have a big audience, yeah, it's easier just to carry on. I don't think, like, coasting, I can sort of see what you mean. But it is just having that acknowledgement that first of all, you've been booked to perform for a bigger audience. Therefore, you're going to be more respected. People are going to feel more comfortable to go and hear your material. So, yeah, I think it swings and roundabouts. And may we have bigger audiences moving forward, Molly Milshine, fingers crossed. (laughs) Oh, I mean, freaking God willing. I just, I feel like I don't even, I mean, I performed at one show in December before everything shut back down again. Because everything looked like it was going really well in December. It was like, wow, we're really doing this. We beat COVID. Like everyone's allowed to hang out at Christmas and everything. And then all of a sudden it just went so much worse and we weren't allowed to do anything. But so I did sneak in one show in between and I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot that I used to do comedy. (laughs) Like, what do know I what do I mean? again? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is the stage is a microphone, is an audience. Am I going to be? I don't know. Am I, am I at an airport? Who knows? Right. Like, I feel like I should take comic out of all of my social media bios because it's, I'm like, I've performed three times over the past calendar year, but that's the same probably oh. for everyone. But like, it's just, it feels so weird, right? It feels so, so strange. Um, so you say three times, just so I understand. You say three times. Uh, do you mean in person or online? In person. In person. Because I don't know about you, but for me, I can't perform online. I just feel such a disconnect. You know, um, when we do, like, I've done a few Zoom gigs. And yes, they turn on the microphones of the audience and you hear a little. <laughs> but, you know, it's not having that energy from the audience, which is something yeah. I need to have. A lot of my comedy as well is improv. I like to go and read an audience. I want to go and add certain things in it uh, to try and include people into my jokes. Uh, when you have online, it's pretty much impossible. Um, when we do the big gay comedy show, um, 
Um, every Wednesday at 7pm, um, you know, I really respect the people coming to perform with us because they have to do it on StreamYard. And on StreamYard, which is an amazing app, if you want to put on a show, you can't hear anyone. And it's just amazing to see these performers who are doing it all the time, who just know to go and have that pause for laugh, uh, laughs. Look at me losing my grammar. Uh, laughs. Um, I really respect them, Molly. I, 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 I'm going to be waiting for the stages to open again. And at least I get to host. At least I get to host. So I'm a host. Yeah. At what least it will be, hopefully, hopefully it will be back by like April, maybe? I don't know. April 2040. Yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed. Oh, Jesus. So you got so much writing done, you're telling me, over the past year. How Have you had any moment when you just like couldn't think of any ideas and you felt really creatively blocked? Because I had a really hard time when the pandemic first started. I just was like frozen. Oh, yes. Frozen, not just my forehead from all the Botox. No, I never had <laughs> Botox. Want to put it out of there. Molly and I have talked about <laughs> Botox many times, but of course we're fully natural. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, many times frozen, you know, because you're trying to think about what's going on in my life at the moment. And again, writing new material is going to get a little bit boring when everyone talks about COVID and talk about staying at home and um, you want to come up with something fresh. And if you're not out there experiencing life, um, it can be a little bit stagnant. Um, so yes, um, bit frozen, but hopefully it will wear off just like my forehead. <laughs> also, I have to make a confession. I did get Botox done last year. I'm I know no you longer. Did. I didn't want to mention that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Botox virgin anymore. <laughs> I have no shame about it though because it was great. It's worn off now. Like it's it's definitely worn off. But I it doesn't look like you. It it doesn't look like you care about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you, but you told me we were, we were performing together in Shoreditch, and you're saying the next day you're off to get Botox, and I was like, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. And when I just well, mentioned I, it a few moments ago, I thought, oh my god, I'm not going to get her in trouble. But you're proud of it, and that's amazing. yeah, I don't care. No shame. I, because the thing is, it's not like I look like J-Lo. Like, nobody's looking at me like, oh, my God, how does she do it? You know? <laughs> so I don't well, I care. I just lots of water, and I just had my really good skincare regime. No, J-Lo, you've had some sort of injectables. Yeah. Alex Rodriguez, not just him, but many injectables. <laughs> Come on, admit it, girl. You're 50 years old. 51 years old. I think, so, when she sang at the inauguration, did you watch her doing the Star Spangled Banner? Oh, I mean, course. she didn't do Her the Spangled Banner. She did her weird little medley that was so funny that she added Let's Get Loud at the end. But when she was singing, she did have wrinkles in her forehead. So I was like, I think I actually do believe her that she didn't have Botox. But what I do think she's had is lasers, which are incredible. I've never done lasers yet. I really want to. But it's it it's what retextures your skin and gets rid of all the pores and just makes it look smooth so and she never says i never had lasers she just says i've never had botox so that's a way to sort of keep it keep it clean and keep it cute is to just not get the botox but get literally everything else so that you can always say i've never had botox is that what i think she said injectables i think i don't want to be pedantic but yeah injectables yeah, but- they're different yeah, yeah. I've never had injections but i've had everything else <laughs> yeah, the old actress what... Dixie Carter used to go and say she used to go and have um, uh, fetus embryos injected into her skin. Oh, like the old Hollywood Del? actress, yeah. Like you know, there's lots of different things you can do. But you know what, Molly? I'm gonna put my little comedy voice now. As long as you feel comfortable about how you look, nothing else matters. Speaking of which, when all the doctors open, I probably will get a whole face full of injectables. But that's a different story. 
Right. I'm like, okay, so I'm not comfortable with the way I look. I would love an entire head transplant. It would be fun. Gorgeous. Oh, thank you. So are you. But wouldn't it just be fun to like, just go and point everything out. Just be like this, 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 and this. I kind of miss like old Hollywood sometimes. I'm like, I wish I became famous in old Hollywood where the head of the studio would be like, you're getting a nose job and a boob job and this, this, and this, and you would have no say in it. And they would just make you look perfect. Yeah, like a little checklist, you know, what yeah. would you need to have done? Why not just go in there, just like, you know, you go and do a, a delivery online, you go and get a takeaway, just go through the list, like a delivery, delivery Botox, delivery fillers, delivery everything, just tick everything you need, they come and sort you out, and, you know, and three weeks later, you look like Jennifer Lopez. <gasps> yeah, I mean, why not? And back then, it was the perfect crime, because nobody knew that it existed, so nobody, they all just thought you were, like, naturally like that. Like, nobody realizes that Marilyn Monroe had a nose job, and, like, a chin reduction, and, like, her hairline raised. She had so much stuff done, and, like, yeah, she was naturally beautiful also, but it's just, I don't know, it's just funny. It's just augmenting your natural beauty. And if you have no natural beauty to start with, at least you can get something out of it, which is very, very right. important. And uh, also, factor, Molly, I'm going to talk about I remember, while I remember, um, I will tell you something which has happened to me in the last year, which is really, really bad. Um, I have lost a few teeth, a few of my back <gasps> teeth. So I had wisdom teeth problems for ages. I finally had up my wisdom teeth. But what it did, it, um, it con- not contracted, that's what women do when they give birth it pushed through the teeth compacted compacted that's the word i can't even remember english right now and i've had so many removed now and this is apparently what joan crawford used to do to look even slimmer and more gaunt so essentially i'm having all my plastic surgery done on the nhs and i yeah looking gorgeous i can't eat very well but at least look gorgeous legend can you actually not eat very well no, that's just a joke. I'm fine. Oh. I've had, I've had, I've had all the, I've had two of the back ones removed. Okay, so I've got so... three more molars to go, and then I'll look fully gaunt and hopefully living off the drip. Wow, there's an IV drip shop across the street from me. It's like in Box Park in Shoreditch. They have this shop where you go in and you pay a hundred pounds and you get a hangover cure IV drip so you can come and do that and you'll be fine. I actually got one of those drips once though, and it didn't, I didn't get it here. I got it for work um, when I lived in New York. And it actually didn't really cure the hangover because for me, the worst part of my hangover is like crippling depression and anxiety. So I was just like, okay, I don't have a headache anymore, but like I'm still questioning everything I've ever done. So this is not worth the money for me, I don't think. Well, do you know what the best hangover cure is, Molly Morshine? What? Not drinking at all. There, oh, I said no. it. That is one oh. thing I have learned during lockdown. So I'm never, I've never really been a big drinker, a big party, but never really a big drinker. Mainly because I have two drinks, I'm already pissed enough for the whole evening. Um, but uh, yeah, I just pretty much stopped drinking during this lockdown. I just haven't needed to, you know. Wow. And do I have I lost any weight? No. Do I feel any better? No. Um, am I going to be drunk after one drink after this lockdown? Probably. So yeah, cheaper date and. Um, at least hopefully my liver will appreciate it. So yeah, boom. Yeah, that's the thing. I That's amazing. And I'm so happy for you because it's really hard, oh especially God. now Quite in the lockdown. Yeah. So I no. did something similar. <laughs> well, it can be really good for you. But I did something similar last summer. I didn't drink for two and a half months. And I had the same experience where like I was still getting phantom hangovers. I wasn't feeling that much better. So I was just like 
was the point of this? I really didn't lose weight either. I was also trying to be vegan at the same time. It was some kind of crazy trauma response to COVID where I was like, this thing started in wet markets with meat. So I need to not eat meat and then I won't catch COVID. Some kind of crazy, like my brain went haywire and I had to go like sober vegan for three months. And yeah, I just, I didn't feel as good as I thought I would feel. So I was like, screw it. Yeah, drinking isn't everything. Everyone's obsessed about gin and tonics and all that stuff. I just don't know. Don't know. I, I just stay on the cocaine, obviously. Not, I'm yeah, joking. I'm joking. you got to have yeah. something. LA that's, diet. <laughs> that's a really good mindset to have, though, because like you're just going to age so much better than everyone else, and you're going to feel so much better. Because I'll start drinking again. I'll start drinking again, Molly. Don't you worry about yeah. it. It just okay, won't be able okay, to okay. much. Because like one thing, you know, you have to remember with comics, I'm not talking to you because you are a comic, but to the lovely general audience, you know, you do get drink tickets after you perform sometimes, um, sometimes if you're lucky. And you're not going to go and get a drink ticket and be like, yeah, I'll have a lime and soda. Like you want to get something good from behind that bar. Um, so, you know, I, 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 will, I will, I do drink now and then. Um, but yeah, it's not a sober journey for me. I never had a problem. I just have to remember one drink and I'm out and I'm anyone. So, yeah find me on Instagram and sign to my DMs because I'm that easy. (laughs) That's good. So, Lucien, who were your comedy idols growing up? That is such a good question. Um, I think, you know, the thing about comedy in general is not just stand-up. You know, there's so many different sorts of comedy. There's sketch comedy, there's uh, sitcom comedy. Um, and for me, I just loved sitcoms growing up. You know, I loved everything from absolutely fabulous um, to even things like Friends. You know, just anything which just has the, just the ability to make you laugh and to escape wherever you are at any moment. So for me, it's, um, it's, all, it's all television. I've never been a film guy. Just I just love the old sitcoms from the 90s. That's really what inspires me to this day. Don't you miss them so much? all the cans laughter it's so underrated i know and just i don't know i think binging sitcoms doesn't really work that well unless it's one that you already love and you're already familiar with like i think having shows come out a week apart the way they did when we were younger it just made you sit with the characters longer and actually start to care about them do you think or do you like binging the new shows i think you're completely right it's the idea you know it's it's um it's having that week to contemplate an episode looking forward to something rather than having i guess the modern day fast food culture of i'm gonna binge everything now and then probably be sick at the end of it um is it good to have you know just um a general concentration and a general i guess of gap between watching things um one of the one of the things which really does annoy me morning Marshine, you'll be absolutely horrified uh, to learn this about me. I actually forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> what was I saying? Hold on, let's backtrack. Here. You're talking about sitcoms and why you don't we were talking about streaming and binging versus having a week apart. Yes, I remember what I was going to say. I remember what I was going to say. It's when you see people watching television or watching film or doing anything or just being on their phones playing a game and not giving it full concentration. You know, I think you have to concentrate on what you're watching so you can get all of it. There's nothing worse than watching with your significant other or watching with a friend. You know, they're just on their phones playing Candy Crush and they go and say to you 10 minutes later, I thought that Orson Hodge died. No, he didn't. You weren't paying attention. You You have to concentrate. I know it's really bad. My my fiance does that second screening. He plays chess whenever we're watching anything. It's rough. Is he, is, 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 he, is he the king's gambit? Yeah, exactly. Game. Are you watching any new like TV shows that you like that are funny? 
New ones. Oh, oh, oh. Do you know what I've really gotten into during lockdown? And this is, this might surprise you. Um, I'm really into dramas. I'm loving dramas at the moment. Really? Um, because, you know, for me, when I started writing my drama, I'm obviously not allowed to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to go and just, um, yeah, to get into the medium of dramas. And I've just fallen in love with so many good British dramas from, um, you know, from the 90s to the modern day. I have watched now three times of the last year the entirety of At Home with the Braithwaite's. Have you heard of it? No, what's that? It was an ITV drama written by Sally Rainwright, who famously did Happy Valley quite recently. Was that the one about the detective women? Absolutely, her. Her first ever um, drama set in the late 90s about a a middle-aged woman winning the lottery and hiding it from her family. And I think it's just the most brilliant bit of drama ever written. It's over four series. The acting is amazing. And I just fell in love with the characters, you know. And you just see as well how much time has changed. Um, In the uh, show, her eldest daughter is a lesbian. And it's such a scandal. And I think Mm -hmm. 20 years later, you know, her sexuality would not be a joke. It would be pretty much sort of taken like, oh, hold on, you're my child who isn't gay, what's wrong with you? Watch RuPaul's Drag Race and come back to me. So how much time has changed? So I love dramas. I've been watching Midsummer Murders. Do you know Midsummer Murders? Yeah, I've heard of that one. Midsummer Murders. It's just... So what they say in the acting community is that if you've never been in Midsummer Murders, you are not an actor. It just has all the best British, and sometimes even Americans. Some Americans have appeared in this show. Um, it's about um, village life, and every episode there's at least three murders. And it's not like a who you've done it, because you aren't ever going to find out until the end how all the jigsaw pieces come together. It's all completely... I like to think they sort of write at last minute who could the murder have been. It's just so enjoyable, just the acting in it, and that's brilliant. I love Midsummer so- Murders. Three people get murdered a week. Oh yeah, it's like they would. Like, I always think Midsummer Murders. It's I think Midsummer's meant to be a fictional county. How cheap the houses must be, because you know there can't be many people in this rural setting. But yeah, at least three murders, so you get your money's worth, and you have to wait. Oh my god, I hope he's going to be murdered uh, next. Um, you have that enjoyment, but as I said, you have the most amazing people in it. You have everyone from people like Lando Bloom was even in an episode. Every single what? British actor has been in this ITV four show, been running constantly since nineteen ninety seven. It's brilliant. I really recommend it. That's amazing. I need to get more into the British dramas and everything because oh. I stick on Netflix all the time, and honestly, there's not that much really good stuff on Netflix. No, it was absolutely right? fabulous, which should be enough for you to watch on repeat again and again and again until you die. I've, I've <laughs> been through it all. And, like, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of the newer Netflix shows, they're not spending enough time writing them or something. You know? Like, they're they're just – like, I loved Grace and Frankie in the beginning. I loved Kimmy Schmidt in the beginning. And then they just kind of fell off for me. I feel exactly the same way about those exact two shows. I stopped watching halfway through. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the main difference, I think, between UK um, drama and comedy and American drama and comedy. Um, in America, you have writers' rooms and you have so many different people working on it. It seems to be a lot more formulaic yeah. of trying to make sure we think about, you know, the different elements of the characters coming through and, you know, having to have my really bad American accent cost me up to 24 <laughs> episodes a season. Well, in the UK, you know, we have six episodes, usually a series, and it's usually written by one person, maybe with the 
this one script editor. Therefore, it all comes from one person's mind. Everything's a lot more condensed. And that's why I prefer British television over American. <gasps> I prefer American television over British, though, I have to say. You're and you have I know. Because <laughs> we just have the same like sensibility. I have the same sensibility as American writers, I guess. And I just really like... I don't know. I like good American TV writing, like when it's really tight and really sharp. Like, like let me think of an example: <laughs> The Sopranos and Mad Men, and like shows like that. I love where there's so much thought put into it, and I think that's what you get from a writer's room: is that there are so many different perspectives that you're getting a more well-rounded show. Do you know what I mean? And then our like auteur of the show is the showrunner who also sits in on the writer's room. So like you have the showrunner who's keeping everything cohesive and then you have all the writers who are all bringing something different to the table. But then you're sort of, again, you're going back to the whole sort of um, fast food culture of trying to titillate an audience, trying to make sure that everything, you know, sort of goes from A to B in the most sort of different way possible. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but I will say I do like some American shows. Of course, I'm not just completely an Anglophile. Um, you know, um, do you know what my favourite um, American comedy is of the last 20 years? What? It's not Friends, it's Hot in Cleveland. Have you seen Good. Hot in Cleveland? Friends is terrible. Friends is amazing. Take that back. I know. I'm the only person of our generation who thinks this. I can't stand Friends. I I just don't enjoy it at all. I know. But if you don't like Friends, have you ever seen Hot People like Friends? Also, British people like Friends more than anyone. It's crazy. Like, Americans like it, but British people have it on another, like, pedestal, I feel. Yes, because back in the 90s, Friends used to be the moment of the week. It would always be on Friday at 7 o'clock on Channel 4, and everyone would watch Friends. And then Channel 4 and E4, the um, other uh, channel, um, would just consistently play Friends again and again and again. So when at home you have, well, originally four channels, and you had up to 10 channels of cable, that's all you'd watch, just Friends on repeat. Channel 4 used to play Friends throughout the day. But I did ask yeah. you, Molly Melshine, Hot in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Hot in Cleveland never... is the best show ever. Everyone needs to watch it. Find it online, Hot in Cleveland. We can carry on now, but Betty I need to White? put this out there. Betty, Betty White? White, yes. Betty White plays Elka Ostrowski, an alcoholic Polish-American. And for myself being Polish-British, I just love that character. Betty White, uh, Valerie Bertinelli, Jane Leaves, Wendy Malick, all the old American sitcom stars coming back for this TV land show. It is brilliant. I love that. That's great. I'm obsessed. See, you tell? <laughs> t- yeah, it's good. I, I need to give that one a shot because it sounds Famous. so up my alley. Did you guys, you guys probably didn't have TV land here because obviously the, all the distribution networks are different here. But we had, when we were growing up, it was like all the old shows from the 70s and 60s and 80s would air on tv land and it was so good did you guys have anything like that like we would have i love lucy the dick van dyke show happy days tyler moore show yes yes i used to watch tv land illegally by streaming it so i do know tv land really really well i'm so happy that you said that because i'm really educated with my um comedy as a writer and a performer obviously (laughs) um but no because because we only really had four channels growing up we had bbc one bbc two itv and channel four uh, therefore, it was pretty much either getting a VHS. I'm showing my age now. Or getting a you DVD actually only had four. You guys actually only had four channels? Four channels. And then in 1996, I think, they uh, started Channel 5. And you could only get it in the cities. And I'm a country boy. So we only had four channels. Yeah. What about cable? Did you not have cable? 
Well, when I was 12 years old, my mum, because uh, my whole family are massive motorsport fans, uh, she got a German cable package, and we only had we had German television and Eurosport. So that was our cable package. Wow. So can you like speak bootleg German because of that? Um, I really got into German music. So there was a channel called Viva, which used to go and play. It was like the German MTV. And I got into some amazingly bad, bad <laughs> German pop stars from it. People like Monrose and people like Sarah Connor. And this amazing music from the um, late 90s, early 2000s from Germany. So yeah, just just the music. Just the music. Amazing. Yeah. So you are half Polish. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I also am Polish. Oh, <gasps> yeah. that's very. I don't know what you. Yeah, I don't know what any of it means. Really My grandfather cool. was Polish. Oh, thanks. Amazing. We're just like it doesn't actually mean that. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> You're like trying to throw that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my uh, dad's fully Polish. Yeah. Cool. So have you been to Poland? I've never been to Poland. I oh, haven't. Well, Mm-mm. I'll tell you this: I've been to Poland twice. But then again, when you live in the UK, you don't have to go far without smelling some pierogi or hearing a Polish accent in the street. Um, I've only been to Poland twice, Molly, which is really, really bad to admit. The first time was on a stopover to New York. Long story, went via Warsaw. And the second time I went with my best friend, Paul. Hi, Paul. Uh, to, um, to... No, I didn't. That's a lie. I went, I went to New York with Paul <laughs> via Warsaw. And then I went with my friend Thanos uh, to Krakow two years ago. So did you like it? What's it like? Oh, I, I I love Poland. You know, it's, it's something sort of maybe primitive in my DNA. Just enjoy all Polish foods and just Polishness in general, I guess. Um, and the chance to practice Polish as well, because my Polish yeah. is famously very, very bad. Like, I'll try and speak it at home when I can. But um, it's a good opportunity for me to go out there and have free practice. <laughs> so when you say Polishness, how would you sum up what what is Polishness? Um, liver cyrosis. <laughs> <laughs> what is Polishness? That's it's a very hard question. Um, Polishness is, I, I think in a Polish household and a Polish family, there's always some sort of sense of love and tragedy. I can't sort of describe it. I think it's by sort of the VHS that my granny used to go and put on of sort of sad Polish films in the 1960s. There's one specific one I remember. I think it was an 80s film. And it's about a beautiful girl who had a beautiful blue rose and everyone wants to steal the blue rose, but it was her blue rose. And in the end, someone stole the blue rose and she cried and died. And that was the end. A certain sense of just tragedy and love, I would say, comes from Polishness. That's, that's so sad. It is sad. I'm crying. Can you see me? I'm crying. <laughs> I cry at everything. Are you actually crying? No, I'm just really tired. <laughs> <laughs> wow and what's it called is it called the blue rose i can't even remember this is back in the 90s here but yeah tragedy and loss so wow love that do you cook polish food and stuff um i try to i try to um because in polish culture i'm sure you know this you have vigilia which is christmas eve and you have to go and have up to 12 dishes um, it's something my Polish family do and lots of Polish people do because they're Polish. What did I just go and say? And this year I decided I was going to make something proper for Vigilia. Having to go and do it at home with my Polish housemate. Um, so, um, you make things like, um, 
I'm trying to remember. Christmas is such a long time ago. It was two months ago. But see me. Um, what did I? I, I made some Polish so crockets. Sorry. It feels so much longer ago. Christmas. Yeah, crazy. So I can't even remember. I made chasteczka, which is Polish biscuits. Um, I made some crockets, some Polish kroketi. Uh, uh, um and um my housemate made a lovely salad so yeah lots of polish dishes yeah very nice a polish salad i my family on christmas eve we always have pierogies and glumpkies do you guys ever do you ever have of those? of course well i love pierogi i love i, I love a jersey one like pierogi um <laughs> pierogi i i love pierogi uh russian pierogi is the best uh with uh cheese and potato delicious delicious oh god now i just want to eat tan foods so bad love it but you know the best thing to do a pierogi i know we're now moving into like a rachel ray situation here but a pierogi (laughs) make sure after you boil them you fry them each side for one minute in butter and it's even more unhealthy more baby oh yeah yeah i think that's what my family does too they also do something that's not polish but it's a bastardization and it tastes better than it has any right to they take a kibasi or i don't know how you actually say it we say kibasi how do you yeah so they they take it and they put it in a slow cooker you're gonna die and they take dr pepper a liter of dr pepper and pour it over the kibasi and just cook it in the dr pepper no i'm crying but know. you know, it's, it's good to change things up to experiments. Maybe that's one step too far. But if you haven't tried it, you can't knock it. Did you like it? Was it delicious? It was so good. I also was, I never would do anything like that. I never drink soda. I never am into like junking up normal food like sausage. I feel like it's a sausage. It's already good. And someone brought it to some party and I was like, what is this? And they told me it was sausage slow cooked in Dr. Pepper and I was like, that's disgusting. And I took a bite and it was so good. It does. I, I, I need to see if I can make that. Do you know how to say something is tasty in Polish? No, how do you say it? So if you want to have a kiss, so you have to go and change the ending because it depends on uh, whether it's a um, masculine or feminine noun. But if you have a kielbasa, it would be to jest smaczna. To jest smaczna. Woohoo! Look wow. at this being just, just really, really clever Polacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so is there any like Polish sitcoms or Polish comedy that you would ever be into? No. <laughs> it's all just tragedy and love. Well, all about tragedy and love. I have obviously watched some Polish television. It's all about skits in Poland. So you have just all these shows around four hours and you just go and have these actors come out in between interviews and just doing things like knocking on the door and saying, hello, is my wife in the house? And it's like, yes, she's upstairs in my bed. What? Oh, no, that's my wife. Punch a man in the face. Ha ha, wife comes down. Oh, darling, hello, I'm just cleaning his bedroom. Ha 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 ha. Then you have 20 minutes of adverts. Then the presenter comes back and interviews someone else. Like it's, it's very, very it's skitty comedy in Poland. Yeah. It sounds like French, kind of. Yeah. I guess a, a little bit French fart. Yeah. Yeah. So who are some of your celeb inspirations since this is diva behavior? Diva behavior, celeb inspirations. There's so many. I, I do love, I do love the, you know, the, the gay icons, you know, people like Nigel Farage and no, uh, <laughs> gay icons. Um, oh, so many. I have so, I have so many gay icons. I think growing up, my biggest gay icon was Madonna. 
again, showing mm. my age. Just everything Madonna would do it was just amazing. I remember being five years old. My mum's going to kill me for telling you this. Um, I watched um, In Bed with Madonna, Truth or Death in the US. So um, good. It's so good. But like being five years old, just remembering, I haven't watched it back since. It's like, how did my mum ever let me watch this? And I was just thinking, yeah. this woman is so, so beautiful and cool and mean, but obviously not realising then that it wasn't a sexual thing. It's just, she's just a powerful woman who knows herself. Like, yeah, I, I love, love, love Madonna. Um, me too. Yeah. Do you, do you like Madonna? You... Yeah, she's the best. But what do you make of her recent Instagrams and everything? Some wild things have been going on on her Insta and just in general. What do you think? Well, you know, talking about injectables, the day she comes out mm. that she's never touched her face, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Gamora's going to rise and she's going to burst into flames. <laughs> she's done yeah. too much to her face. I know it sounds like it's shaming, but I have a theory about Madonna's really, really bad plastic surgery you see all the time on Instagram. She does it on purpose to annoy people. Because people say to her, she's mm. too old to go and do this. She's done too much surgery. She's had too many injectables. It just pushes her to go and do it. They say to her, her boyfriends are too young. So then she starts going out of high school. It's like she knows what she's doing. She's just trying to just rile us up. But yeah, I, I wish she would stop on her face. But you know she's never going to do that. And that's why we love her because she'll just do anything to upset people. She's great. Yeah, she is great. And she's always pushing boundaries even still. The thing that I'm worried about is I know she had a hip injury a couple years ago. And I'm scared that she's like hitting the painkillers because that is like so hard not to do, I feel. And she's just seemed so weird in her last few Instagram videos, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I've, have you noticed on her Instagram, she obviously hires someone full time. Maybe it's like one of her 50 children, but she hires someone full time just to go through and uh, film her. And they, she's just like, she's just like, I'm like painting my nails or something controversial, painting my nails for like five minutes and they put it up and all the gays and all the girls just watch it like, oh my God, I can't stop watching. I think right, it's all like calculated this- madness, hopefully. Yeah. There was a big story. Um, Page Six did a big thing where they interviewed a bunch of people. They interviewed, it was very recent, like record executives and people who claim to be in Madonna's inner circle. And they were divided where half of them were like, oh, she's acting really strange and we don't know what to do. And the other half were like, this is just her. And like you said, she knows that it's freaking people out and that's why she's doing it. And like, yeah, if you're going like to try to figure it out. Operation. Yeah, exactly. So, and I know she's never been that big into like mind altering substances. And so that's why I'm like nervous about the the pain meds, because I feel like when you're in pain, genuinely in pain, that's when it gets you. You know what I mean? But so her daughter, Lourdes, who's gorgeous, I'm, I'm obsessed with her. She recently joined Instagram. Did you see this? I have seen it. Yes. It's a, 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 she should be a comedian. Yeah, she's hilarious. So just for the benefit of the listeners, I'm going to read someone wrote, this wasn't even mean. A commenter just wrote, your mother made a masterpiece called Hard Candy, which was the album Madonna came out with in 2008. And Lourdes responded, your mother sucks wild. You know what? <gasps> How do you find that so quickly? People are going to think we actually planned to go and talk about Madonna. We prom- I promise you we didn't. How do you do that so quickly? I know. I'm just a ninja. I'm an internet ninja, Lucien. She's a ninja! Yeah. And then the second one, someone said a picture of Lourdes. It was like a revealing photo. And someone wrote, not you thirst trapping. What would your mom think? Which obviously this person doesn't know Madonna because Madonna invented thirst trapping. Like, 
what are you talking about? And Lourdes wrote back, does your mom know you don't wash your butt? <laughs> but she didn't oh, say butt. She said, isn't that so team. funny? Yeah. I need to get her on a big gay comedy show, you know. Lourdes, Lola, if you're watching, info at lucyandjack.com. Thank you. Yes, please, Lola. We love you. And then someone else said, we're waiting for your singing debut. And she wrote back, I'll sing at your funeral. Oh. One day there's going to be a comedy roast on Comedy Central. It's going to be about Madonna. And Lola's going to come on and be the new Joan Rivers. Fingers crossed. Her career keeps on dipping that she gets to that level. I wish. We need a new Joan Rivers, man. You can't even say anything about celebrities anymore, you know? Mm. You know, it, obviously you have the whole sort of cancel culture and people are very scared about saying certain things. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting topic to bring up, actually. Uh, how do you feel about the whole cancel culture, Molly Malshine? So I am definitely of two minds about it because I think that cancel culture doesn't exist. I think that people get – like being canceled is actually just – facing consequences for saying something crappy, you know? Mm. And I want to say we should hold people accountable when they say something crappy. But then also at the same time, I don't want to write people off for saying something dumb because we all say dumb things. I don't know. What do you think? Well, we've, we, we've said dumb things for the last 45 minutes. See, exactly. it doesn't mean anything. Um, it's, it's, it's growing for times. You know, it's making sure, I think comedy comes from a very sort of, personal space i think when you're thinking of a joke you're not doing it just for for the hell of it you're doing it because it's something which you have thought about and you know um it's hard to sort of describe i hope people understand where i'm coming from and if we're in that sort of culture where we're not going to say the n-words we're not going to say anything transphobic this comes from who we are as human beings just knowing what is good and then we just transfer those lessons into our comedy so if you're trying to do something to shock that comes from a different place so um I, I think cancel culture might be a little bit too far sometimes. I think I I, I, I do think it's a it's, it's it's a real thing, but we just need to make sure you know as performers we just respect people in our personal lives, and then our content will follow. Look at me being so yeah. philosophical. I think you're so right. And I think you can also tell when there is a joke that's a little bit on the edge, you can tell when it's mean spirited and when and you can tell when it's not and when it's just meant to be like satire. You know what I mean? It's it's what drag queens always say. If you go and perform a joke and you have a wink afterwards, it makes it automatically okay. Especially like if you're on a live stage, usually drag queens, you know, they have around sort of eight to ten Jaeger bombs on stage. They're usually very very drunk by the end of their performance. So I'm talking about drag, like real drag queens and real gay bars, not people on RuPaul's Drag Race performing at the Clapham Ground. Anyway, you know, if you have a wink, it sort of makes it forgivable. Um, and it's, and as long as it's not done in malice, like I wouldn't go on stage and go and pick out a transsexual person and call them the wrong, the wrong gender. You know, that's right. just not who Lucian is, not who I am as a person. Um, it's just, yeah, just making sure you, you are, you are aware. But if you do something with love, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think something else that we've lost in recent years is celebrities having any ability to laugh at themselves and that really just drives me nuts because i do love joan rivers she was like one of my idols Mm -hmm. growing up i'm sure that she was for you too right and and it was a badge of honor to be made fun of by joan rivers it was like elizabeth taylor she didn't make fun of anyone more than she made fun of elizabeth taylor and elizabeth taylor loved it because she was like this means i'm relevant and this means that people are still talking about me and now the celebrities are like you're bullying me and it's like, like, did you see this thing that happened last night with Chrissy Teigen? She, um, she tweeted like, "Have you ever 
paid way too much money for something that actually sucked. And then she was like, I'll tell you when it happened to me. Um, a waiter mm-hmm. recommended a bottle of wine and it turned out to be $13,000. And she tweeted this like it was so funny. And she's like, and we still paid, they still paid for it and everything. And everyone's responding like, what? Why are you telling us that you paid 13 grand for a bottle of wine? That's so annoying. And it's like, yeah, that's so annoying. Like, that's obnoxious. And then she was tweeting all this stuff being like, I can't believe everyone's making fun of me and like saying that it's not, I don't know. She was so very hard to marry a rich man. You know, give her a chance. $30,000 means nothing to her at all. Just, you're just, they're just jealous of her. I love, I love Chrissy Teigen. I, I follow her on Instagram. I think she's actually hilarious. She's someone else who's yeah. here. But you have to remember, remember my mum always told me one person's one pound is another person's hundred pounds. Like, you know, for her, it's not much money. She just doesn't think about it. So don't come for her. Just um, unfollow her if you don't like her lifestyle and right. follow poor people like us. <laughs> like, this is the thing. I feel like it is very annoying to me that people are spending $13,000 on a bottle of wine. It just is. Like, it's just always going to annoy me. And I'm never going to think that it's fine or okay. But at the same time, we always get mad at female celebrities for this kind of thing when the real people who are destroying the world are like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg. And we're not ever getting mad about them doing stuff like that because they don't tweet about it. But so that's the thing. It's like, I get myself all worked up whenever celebrities are being super rich. And then I'm like, stop, they're not the problem. Like it's the billionaires that are the problem. I need to not get mad at famous people because they're actually poor compared to the real rich people, you know? Yeah. You know, um, um, I'm trying to think of a really famous rich person here. Uh, Jeff Bezos, for example. Do you think he's going to go and buy the $5 plonk from, you know, Ernst & Gallo? No, he's going to go and buy an expensive bottle. It is the £1 to £100 equation that's very, very important. It's true. And the other thing that it proves to me is how adaptable humans are. And I've been saying this since the beginning of the pandemic when people are like, oh, it's going to be so great when this is over. Everyone's going to be so nice to each other. We're going to appreciate life. And I'm like, no, we are not. We are not going to appreciate anything. And the the proof I have for that is when people get that rich, like Chrissy Teigen was not born that rich. She was born like lower middle to full on middle class. She was not, probably her parents weren't paying more than like 20 bucks for a bottle of wine. And now just a few short years later of being married to a rich guy, she's like, oh, 13 grand on a bottle of wine. What a small annoyance in my day. Like people get used to things, you know, and and they forget how it used to be. Do you know what? I just thought of an anecdote I can quickly tell you about drag queens and money. Um, I'm not going to say who this drag queen is, but they might be on RuPaul's Drag Race uh, UK. Oh. Um, she did a post the other day complaining that she was only offered £75 to do an online thing for 30 minutes. And everyone went back to her saying, yeah, drag needs to be paid, drag needs to be respected. And I just got thinking, at the end of the day, um, as comedians, we don't even get that much for like being there for two hours. Like, yeah. you know, um, there seems to be a little bit of disparity, I think, especially between uh, people in the entertainment um, business as well. Um, my, my point there is, you know, Money is money as long as you do what you love, but never publicly shame sums of money because the regular audience who go and buy your tickets for your shows are ever gonna are never going to um what's the word? Um understand where you come from. Just keep it keep keep it private. Keep it private. Yeah. Keep 
keep it private, keep it cute. And the other thing is people are going to feel bad when they find out how much more one person has than them. You know, like I'm trying so hard not to be in that mindset anymore. I'm trying in 2021 to come from a place of abundance and gratitude because I do have more than most people. You know what I mean? And like, I get so annoyed that other people have more than me sometimes. And I'm like, that's terrible. That keeps me down. Well, you think uh, $20 for a bottle of wine isn't much money. It's like, that's so much money still. No, (laughs) it is. It is. I'm saying, no, I know. I know. I'm saying that for her parents, they probably, that would be like the craziest wine that they would buy. I buy wine that costs nine pounds usually. That's still very expensive. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. what wine do i get i get you know always the best tip you're ever gonna have for wine here molly always get the one which is half price every zoom market has one half price in any sort of type of um sort of um vintage so we just, so Why just, do you just do... always get the offers always get the offers oh, okay just mm. okay i will I'm very i've cheap. been getting That's also another polish quality as well I'm very cheap too, but it comes from my Irish side. So that's very interesting. Ah. I'm only cheap with certain things though. Like I am not cheap with clothes or shoes or really food. I'm cheap with like my house. Like I want to buy the cheapest house so that I can spend my money on other things. What are, What about you? Well, make sure you don't, you know, buy a house that's going to fall down because that wouldn't be value for money. Um, shoes, always buy good shoes. So I'm from Northamptonshire which is um, famous in Northamptonshire, but should be for England for having the best shoes. Like we, we were the centre of shoemaking in the 19th century and we have so many amazing shoe factories of locally produced shoes and all my shoes come from those factories. So whenever I go back home, obviously haven't been there for nearly a year, which is really sad, but hey, that's um, co- uh, coronavirus. Um, I always go to the factory shops and go to the sales and just get lots of amazing shoes. Um, so shoes, I never, ever skim with shoes, ever, 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 ever. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm very cheap. I'm very cheap, yeah. I love it. Good. Well, you have to be also when you're in our line of work, until you don't anymore. <laughs> until someone offers you a free drinks token and you go and say, yeah, I'll go and have a lime and soda. No, you go and ask for that double kettle and pear and you don't care what it costs because you're not buying it. <gasps> kettle and pear. I'm now thinking of my New York days now talking to you. Why don't we have kettle and pear in england i love i love kettle and pear do you guys not have kettle one we do but we don't have pear juice oh that's what most yeah all about the- new york i love pear juice in my cocktails all the mixers and everything are definitely different here so what's your let's talk about diva stuff to wrap up just to yeah. keep it on theme what diva. is yeah what is your biggest diva tendency my biggest diva tendency, that's such a good question. Um, I think it's when I go to a gig and people can't say my name properly. I famously have a real issue with this. People who call me Lucian or Lucian. Oh, but I didn't call you Lucian. You call me Lucian, so I didn't correct you and I smiled. And was is that okay? Lucian is my name. It's a, it's a sir, not a sir, you see. It'd be yeah, Lucian. Lucian. It'd be Lucian if it was an A-N. Like if you're a girl and your name is L-U-C-I-E, you'd be Lucy. You never call them Lucy. But if you're L-U-C-I-A, you'd be either Lucia or Lucia. My lisp is coming across now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my name's awful for my lisp. Anyway, um, yeah, um, when people don't know how to say my name. Um, because obviously, you know, with some promoters, they'll see you online and they'll ask you to come and perform. Um, they won't ne- they'll see your name written down. They won't know how to pronounce it. And if I, if I meet them at the start, um, before performing, I'll say to them, okay, hello, my name is Lucy and nice to meet you. 
um, and then they go and tell the MC, yeah, his name is Lucian. It really annoys me. I know it's it's my problem, not theirs. But many times I have uh, confronted it live on stage and have a few good clapbacks about my name, uh, which is also good material because you know if you have to do a ten or twenty minute set and you're trying to think about what to go and do beforehand, being having the opportunity to moan about your name gives you quite a good few minutes and lots of good jokes. What's one thing that you say when you clap back about it? Oh, see, I haven't performed in such a long time. And you're gonna I know. Are you having uh, the nightmares where you get up on stage and you can't think of any jokes? I'm having I have those. a nightmare of going through my old sets in my head and I can't go to sleep and try and think about what the next joke is. Um, mm. Clapbacks for my name. Um, I like to talk about, you know, yeah, I know. Actually, my name is Lucien. Not, uh, not, not Lucien, it's Lucien. My mother named me after a character from a Jackie Collins novel. If that doesn't make you gay, nothing else will. That's my probably That's my favorite awesome. clapback for that. Thank you. It that came back awesome. to me. My steps are coming back to me now. And I want to carry on, but I'm not going to, you see. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have talked about your mom and your stand-up before at sets yeah. that I have been at, and she sounds like a diva extraordinaire. She's the ultimate diva, my mom. Absolutely. Um, so I was doing my show last night, um, and so I was on this. I had an amazing opportunity during uh, between, between the last uh, two lockdowns to appear on the online sitcom What the Frick. I had two lines, which is still... Um, something I did in the bathroom. No, I had two lines to go and say um, on um, in, in front of the camera, um, and I had the cast, who are all comedians, to come on my show, the Big Gay Comedy Show last night. And my mum was watching, and I had a joke with Alice Frick, who created the sitcom, um, that maybe we should get married um, because we need to have. Um, she's Austrian, I'm British. We need to have uh, different passports. And my mum messaged me saying, "I got so excited that you want to go and marry this girl, Alice." And I went, "Yeah, but we're both gay." And she went, yeah, but, you know, everyone has obstacles and marriages. Um, yeah. <laughs> she, is, she is a diva. That's what I want to tell you about that. Oh, that's amazing. What a lady. And now she's messaging Alice and she wants to go for her, like, cocktails in Soho and go shopping with her. And Aww. it's like, like, yeah, you can go. I might, I might come. I hate shopping. All gay boys love shopping. It's a complete lie. I hate shopping. So I'll let the lesbian and my mum go shopping and I'll see them um, at the bar. Yeah. She's just desperate for a daughter-in-law. She's like, I had a gay son and he doesn't like shopping. How did this happen? I know, bad upbringing, right? It's my mum dragging <laughs> around shops all the time as a child. I'll tell you one more story about my mum while I remember. So, um, um, you know, in on Kensington High Street, there's a big Whole Foods. Yes. Oh, so yes, that used I love to be, it. So that used to be Barker's, which was a big department store. And once I was shopping, I was around uh, 13 years old, and I was just shop by myself, you know, having freedom. And I passed um, D&G at Barker's, and I found this beautiful green dress, 80% off. And I said to them, uh, the cashier, I went, do you mind keeping this behind? It's my mum's size. And I ran home. My um, my aunt used to live in London, um, in Kenston, I know, so posh. I said to my mum, look, mm. just been to Barker's, I found um, an 80% off D&G dress. And we went back and she bought it. So, you know, my mum loves to wear a D&G. She loves a good bargain. And yeah, maybe that trauma makes me not like shopping now because I couldn't wear the green dress myself. I don't know. I know. Oh, my God. What a find. I know. And she told me recently, actually, she didn't even like the dress, but she felt inclined to buy it because I found it for her. Oh, that's really cute. Did she wear it much? I have to ask her. I don't She's think an only so. child, did you say? I am I'm a sort of only child, yeah. I, I am my mum's only child, yeah. That's good. That's the one that matters. That's the one that spoils you, I guess. 
So was there a moment in your life ever when a diva moment backfired? Oh, yes. I can think of a moment exactly. Um, so a few weeks ago, <laughs> it feels like a year ago, um, I was uh, performing um, at Fix Nathan. Hello, Fix, at um, one of her comedy nights in uh, Limehouse. Oh, I know, I, I know she was a guest the other day. So hi, Vix. Hi, Vix. Um, and at this, uh, at this um, comedy night, uh, there was a green room. And she said, okay, we'll go and wait in the green room. Everyone will come in in a minute. And I went, no, it's okay. I, I want to come and sit with everyone else. She went, no, no, no. All comics are going to sit in the green room. And I went, okay, that's fine. I'll go to the green room by myself. And around half an hour passed, because I'm always early for gigs, always be early for gigs. Um, I was like, Vix isn't here. Like, she's obviously organizing. Then I heard a few comics I knew coming to perform, walking up steps. And I was listening through the door thinking, should I go and say hello? No, they'll come and see me in the green room in a bit. Um, and I went, okay, around half an hour later, we we're starting in 10 minutes. So I went, okay, I'm now going to go through, break the third wall and see where all the comics were. And they were all sitting in the audience because of social distancing. And I said, oh, um, Vix, can I come and sit in here? She went, no, we've all sold out and all the comics have a seat. So you need to go back to the green room. And I went, I'll go if you buy me a drink. And <laughs> she bought me a drink. I went back to the green room. I performed second and took my drink back and waited there for the gig to finish in uh, solitude. Um, so that's my most diva wow. moment because I'm not actually a diva. Could you imagine it? <laughs> wow. That is, that's the kind of thing that I would never have the balls to do, to barter a drink for something. And I salute you. I was lonely in the green room, okay? It is lonely. I don't like being in the green room because I like to listen to what everyone is saying so that I can play off of it when I go up. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I had to come in, I didn't know who the audience were. And this is a really, really good tip for you, Molly, and any comedians watching. Um, If I start in the dry room and don't know the audience, I like to play a really sneaky game of Never Have I Ever. Um, but some really, really sexual never have I ever questions in and just work out the tone of an audience. Because doing stand-up, you have to read the room, as we know. Um, so if you ever play Never Have I Ever, it's a good way for me to get to know my audience before I start my material. Protein. That is a very good idea. Great idea. And that night, so, F1 was an absolute whore. <laughs> the what? Everyone was an absolute whore in the audience. Everyone drank Never Have I Ever, and it was lots of fun. That's good. I love when you get a crazy, wild audience like that. So what was a time when a diva moment in your life paid off? Um, I think it's I think it's meeting all the RuPaul girls. Mm. Because, you know, I know a lot of the drag queens at the two bureaus. Um, whenever there's a Ru, uh, a Ru girl visiting, especially since uh, something was on uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, um, they come and support something. And now, obviously, going to be Tia. I'm so glad I could talk about Tia being on Drag Race. I knew it at the time, and it was killing me. Um, they uh, come and visit them. So um, I just get to walk up and be like, Hi, Jiggly Caliente, I'm Lucy, and nice to meet you. It gives you that sort of gumption and, um, yeah, uh, confidence to talk to anyone. So that's, I think, as devery as I get. I get to go and talk to people with full confidence. Yeah, that's great. I was so happy to meet Tia also that night at the Two Brewers because she oh. thought I was Ashley Roberts. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, she she called you Ashley Roberts. Yeah, she was like, oh. "Oh my god, look who's here!" Like she she was like on the stage and she her like jaw dropped. And then she after she performed, she came up to me and she was like, "You're Ashley Roberts, right from the Pussycat Dolls?" And I was like, "No." And it made my life because I didn't know who Ashley Roberts was before that. And now I do. And I love her. And I just great. Yeah, no, 
I think she's bigger in the UK than she is in the US. We don't know any of the pussycat dolls in the US besides Nicole Scherzinger. That's the only one we know. Yes, what they do, they just come over to the UK and infect us. Like, you know, yes. They've they've all been an I'm a celebrity and dancing on the ices and all the strictly coming dancing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Crazy. Well, it's good that we're all cross-pollinating. It makes me happy because I'm a cross-pollinator myself, I guess, of infecting the UK. Ooh. <laughs> and Ireland, of course. Oh, and Ireland. And Ireland, obviously, yes. So thank you so much, Lucian, for coming on. This was such a fun, wide-ranging conversation, and I'm so happy that I got you. Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. I sort of forgot we were doing a podcast. I'm just talking to an old girlfriend, just laying on my bed, just just <laughs> drinking a water, like forgetting. I need to try and be funny at times. Um, but no, I've had lots, lots of fun. And just make sure you do one thing for me. You go and watch Hot in Cleveland because it's the best show in the world. And at home with a brief week. Follow, follow me on Instagram, Last of Lulu. I will give anyone a good TV list of what to watch. Amazing. And also, everyone, watch Lulu's comedy show every Wednesday night. Big big gay comedy show. And it's at 7. It's 7 o'clock. And you can find the link um, on the Lucy and Jack uh, Facebook comedy page. Don't find my personal, find my comedy page at Last of Lulu. Um, And we raise money for the amazing charity Wandsworth Oasis. Until we go live again at the Two Brewers when I'll be capitalist again and be earning my living again as a comedian. Hopefully, it won't be too much longer. Yes, hopefully, it won't be. Some people think Diva. I never said that. Diva behavior. Hey, great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Of course, I don't trust you. Diva behavior, the podcast.